Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. And today we have a lot, a lot to talk about. We've had a really busy week behind us, a really busy weekend, really busy week in front of us. We have a lot, a lot of stuff going on in the world of Auburn athletics. Um, Obviously, the most pressing news happened late last night with Auburn quarterback Bo Nix entering the transfer portal, the starter for the past three seasons. Um, That was some news that kind of surprised some people was something that was you know, some guys kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, but Wheeler, what were your initial thoughts when Bo Nix entered the transfer portal? And where are some options where Auburn could go? Do you think we'll look towards a transfer to replace him? Do you think we'll stick with Finley? Do you think we'll pull in Demetrius Davis? Do you think we'll start true freshman Holden Gurner? Where do you think Auburn will go with the quarterback position after Bo Nix transferred? Yeah, I was at first really not expecting Bo to transfer. Um as like like we said in the last podcast, um, but it just became abundantly clear after um, a little bit of time that it was definitely going to happen. Uh, JG Tate reported that there was a meeting between Patrick Nix and Bo Nix, and he said that a decision was made. Now, it almost sounds in retrospect from rumors that are going around that those were not uh, the decision wasn't made necessarily at that time. Uh, in that they went to Harson with the list of demands, and when they went to the Harson with the list of demands, he was basically like, uh, "No, nobody's demanding anything. I'm the head coach." And apparently, that didn't fly too well. Um, again, those are just rumors. We can't confirm those as necessarily fact. Um, but it does seem, based off of the reaction of the team, uh, and and by the reaction of the team, it's just like you can tell if guys really kind of liked somebody, if they repost like their Instagram thing saying that they're leaving and they're like, wish you all the best, bro, all this stuff. And there's been a resounding nothing of that. Um, So, I mean, obviously rumors were swirling before this, that Bo was not very popular with his teammates, that he was a little bit full of himself. uh, And it looks like that's probably about the truth. Um, As I was thinking about it today, you know, we've been really high on Bo Nix, and we've been talking about the different uh, potential quarterbacks just talking off off the podcast. And it, it kind of occurred to me that Bo his freshman year and Bo this year were both very similar in the fact that they had plays that were amazing and they had plays that you were like, what are you doing? And so everybody says, you know, oh my gosh, it's going to be terrible, we're starting over. I almost want to agree with with what people were saying before, and I didn't until now, but it seems like Bo didn't really ever get out of the freshman mistakes. Like this year, he was still making freshman mistakes on a lot of his passes, um, in the Texas A&M game especially. Like if things were not going well for Bo, he could not recover. Like he, it was impossible for him to recover. Um, so I don't know that coming in with Holden is going to be the worst thing in the entire world. I think if we don't get a transfer quarterback, Holden's going to be the quarterback. Um, I think unless, you know, TJ improves significantly, but you, I mean, TJ couldn't do anything. Like he got thrown out there in the iron bowl and I know everybody says his ankle was hurt, but that was in the third quarter and he did nothing in all of the other time either. So I don't think TJ's the answer. Because TJ is just, he's not good enough to win Auburn anything. So your options really are going to be 
go get a transfer, which this season, more than any other, the transfer portal is rich with talent. Uh, Calzada just entered the transfer portal again today. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily the greatest quarterback. I think he's better than TJ. Um, The USC quarterback entered the transfer portal today. Dylan Gabriel. None of the quarterbacks that entered the portal are especially good, but I think they're about the same as Bo Nix. I don't think that Bo is head and shoulders the best quarterback in the portal. Spencer Rattler, everybody's talking about him. I mean, guys, he he didn't do a good job. Like, he was down 30 to Texas, who is a terrible football team. And he is a horrible teammate. Like, if anybody has watched Last Chance, not Last Chance U, the QB1 show on Netflix, you cannot watch that show and end up and, like, leave liking Spencer Rattler as a person. Like, he's not a good teammate. He is not – if you are trying to build a culture at Auburn, and that's what Harson keeps saying that he's trying to do is build the culture. And basically, by not keeping Bo, he's trying to say, we're building the culture and you're either in or you're out. Bringing in Spencer Rattler is the opposite of that. Um, whereas, I think you see with Tank Bigsby, Tank is leaving because he's, I think he's really frustrated with the number of carries he got and the plays that were called in the situations, like in the South Carolina game, where he is absolutely balling out. He is just mauling people, and they quit handing him the ball. Like, we were frustrated, but he was even more frustrated. And he's sitting here saying, I can go play for any team in the country. Like, he legitimately could go play anywhere in the country if he transferred. I think every team would pick him up. There's not a single team that I think would say, no, we're good. We don't need we don't need you. Okay, Bo Nix, it looks like early reports of where he's going to go are maybe UCF or Cincinnati. And I'm sure he'll do great at either of those stops because they're both group of five teams. But there are not a ton of power five teams that are like, oh, my gosh, we have to have this man. Where if, if Tank entered the portal, it would be an absolute feeding frenzy. So reports coming out today are that uh, Tank was meeting with the coaching staff and the coaching staff was trying to convince them to stay. Here's the thing. I think on one hand it's tough to convince them to stay because he is so frustrated, but also – the guy that was calling all those plays that he was so frustrated with got fired. Like, Harson can sit there and say, I agree. What what plays were called for you this year were absolute garbage. That's why I fired the guy. And it sounds like no matter who we hire as offensive coordinator, and I know we're going to get to OC later, uh, th- I mean, it sounds like Harson's going to call his own plays. So basically the offensive coordinator is meeting with Tank right now even though, because really the offensive coordinator they bring in is just going to be the quarterback's coach and is going to have a fancy title that says offensive coordinator. He's just going to be a really highly paid position coach. So Harson can basically sit him down, say, look, you're a hard worker. You already have the relationship with Cadillac. You already have things established here. You have your NIL deals established here. You know the program. We're going to give you more touches. And I think that's the recruiting pitch that you go with right now because – if he leaves, we're in trouble. I mean, Jark was a good back, but behind him, there's not a whole lot. So, and and we'll we'll get to we'll get to more uh, talk about just the depth chart a little bit later. Um, but with the tank situation, it's just I agree with what you're saying with the with you know the Harson recruiting pitch, and it's very interesting. You know, Cadillac is definitely being thrown into the fire with this you know, this cycle, you know, he's recruiting four-star Trevante citizen. He's recruiting four-star Justin Williams. And now he's trying to recruit tank to come back. It's just a very interesting thing. And this is, this is how college football is. Like this is how it is now. It's not the days of old where it's once you get them, they're here, that's gone. This is going to be something where it's a little bit more common where you're going to have to recruit guys that are already there. Like when someone gets frustrated and when someone is, you know, frustrated with their touches, frustrated with what's going on, you're going to have to recruit him to stay there when you're a guy like Tank because it's like, okay, he can go anywhere. Like, yeah, he had some games where he didn't really have insane numbers, but the thing is Tank's an extremely talented back, and his vision can get a little better, but at the end of the day, he will play in the NFL. If he declared for the draft right now, he would get drafted. And so he is a guy that this staff is really prioritizing, and you really see that because you've got a staff that is – kind of notorious for being hard-nosed and not really caring 
about all this stuff and you've got they're going to give Bo Nix they're going to let Bo Nix walk essentially like Bo Nix met with the demands and they said okay you're not going to buy in get out of here whereas Tank comes and meets and they're going to roll out the red carpet and try and get him to stay and that just speaks to the level of talent that Tank has and how the staff thinks that Tank is harder to replace than Nix will be so I definitely just think that this staff really prioritizes and values what Tank brings to the table, but they've got they've got a severe uphill battle to get Bigsby to stay uh, for his junior year. And as Bo goes, it's just kind of a. And I was talking to this about somebody. And I was talking I was talking about Bo with a lot of people this morning, but someone said, someone said like, "How do you feel? And how is the team going to react?" And the thing is. The, the thing that I said, ask yourself a question. When was the last time you saw a three-year starting quarterback not be a team captain? Like, it's kind of rare for the quarterback to not be a team captain. Like, even if you're a freshman, like, usually the quarterback is a team captain because the way that the position is, you, am, like, you lead the team. That is how the, that's how the game of football works. If you started for multiple years, you would think that they'd be a team captain. Like – and I just think that it's a little – I think it speaks a little bit to obviously what's been going on on social media. Not that many people have really mentioned Knicks, the players. And I know some players that I have encountered are more happy that Bo is leaving than not happy. So I definitely think that it is a – it's an interesting thing. I don't think Bo was someone that they loved in the locker room. I don't know if he was necessarily someone that they didn't like or that they just didn't like how he played or they didn't like him as a person. But regardless – Bo is not necessarily super tight with a lot of people on this team. So I think that it is a very interesting situation. And obviously, you know, I, I've said it multiple times. I think that Bo Nick staying would have really helped this team with his talent. But if we can get, I mean, there are certain names that if we could replace Bo with, I'd be fine with how our offense is looking. Tank, uh, I think that if you have, so right now, if Tank enters the transfer portal, and Tank has not shown up to a single bowl practice, by the way. So the the three the three guys that you'll really have, you'll have Jarquez starting. So Sean Shivers has already hit the portal, committed to Indiana. So he's gone. If Tank goes, it'll be Jarquez. And then you've got Sean Jackson and Jordan Ingram and Jay Sharp as your running backs. Sean Jackson has played in four games this year. So if he plays in the bowl game, he burns, he burns his red shirt. So that's not ideal. So then all of a sudden you're looking at, I mean, Jarquez, Sean Jackson, and Jordan Ingram as your kind of three-headed back, and, you know, Auburn plays three backs. I mean, that is a severe downgrade from Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, and Sean Shivers. I love Jarquez. I do. I think that Jarquez will play. I think that he'll play well, and if Jarquez is our starting running back, I'm not, I'm not sweating it at all. Like, I think he, was, he is one of the better running backs in the SEC. But when you look at the backups, that's what kind of starts – you start getting a little worried there. Um, and then next year you'll have, you know, maybe a, a Damari Alston or, you know, Justin Williams. You know, we'll see, we'll see how the running backs look out, but it's, it's a lot of young guys, you know. And then all of a sudden you're playing a true sophomore and two true freshmen as the backups, and you're just like, well, how much is – you know, how much experience is in that room? Whereas if you have Tank come back – You've got a junior, you've got a sophomore, then you've got a freshman as the third string back. So if Tank comes back, it'll really, really help the running game. And a sense that it's just more of the running back by committee would be less of a drop off if Tank was still here. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Damari Austin. We'll get into recruiting in a second, but uh, you can't, I mean, we really don't know. I, I think the fact that they are really. Tr- now, I think they would really be trying to take Tank no matter what. But I, I think that the fact that they are really trying to keep Tank right now tells me that the running back recruiting is not going how they thought it would. Like, they're not thinking that we're going to get either Trevante Citizen, uh, Williams, or Damari. And that's concerning because I feel like they felt really good about this running cl- running back class for a little while. You're making a face. You think, you think Tank's just so much better that that's why they're really recruiting him? Yeah, I think that their perspective is that Tank is just such a good running back that they really want him, and they don't want to go through the process of getting these backs accustomed to the college game and then throwing them into the fire. I think that, obviously, the running back recruiting 
there's still a lot to be seen and it might not end up how we wanted it to. But I think that as of right now, I think that them honing in on tank is more talking about tank and less talking about how the recruiting is going, but we'll see how that turns out on Wednesday. Yeah. So, I mean, I think kind of the next thing that, that is pressing right now for Auburn is the offensive coordinator search. Um, And just to kind of give an update to people that may not have been following it as closely, Mike Bobo gets fired on Tuesday on Thursday or Monday. He got fired on a Monday by Thursday. Auburn had reached out to Arizona state offensive coordinator, Zach Hill. um, And basically Hill told Arizona state that he was going to Auburn to be the offensive coordinator uh, Auburn compliance gets wind of the fact that Hill might be swept up as part of an NCAA investigation, and they request Arizona State's help in uh, figuring out how involved he is in the situation. Uh, Arizona State does not send over any information about the NCAA investigation, and Harson basically says, all right, well, we're just going to move on from this. Um, there have been some... Some other names that have been thrown out, Kelly, Kenny Dillingham, uh, he was thrown out for a little while. He got hired by Oregon. Uh, I think I'm pretty happy about that because Kenny just really did not excite me as a name. Uh, we had Ponce from Appalachian State. Um, again, that was a name that just it, it did not excite me at all. They, they did not look good in their conference championship game this weekend. And uh, – then we've had Austin Davis, so that's kind of the front runner right now. Um, that is the quarterbacks coach for the Seattle Seahawks, and he apparently uh, has talked to Harson throughout the week this week. And last night, Harson had a phone call with Pete Carroll to discuss details. I'm assuming of how he would get Austin to exit midseason, because um, that's definitely a complicated situation as the Seahawks could be potentially playing for what, like they have four more weeks of the regular season and then however long they go into the playoffs. And I I mean, Auburn needs an offensive coordinator before the NFL season is completely done. So that's kind of the hang up with Austin Davis, but it does sound like he's going to be your number one guy. Um, Somehow it also got leaked that Harson was very, very high on uh, holding Gurnier. So, Hearing almost what Harson was saying about Holden when he was on the phone with this offensive coordinator interview gives me an idea that they're not looking for the transfer portal, that they're gonna that they feel really good about where Holden is. Um, and they're gonna try and rock with him. I think that's a pretty big risk. Um, because you don't know how I mean, somebody can look amazing in high school and they look really, really bad when they get to college. So that would be a, a big bet on Holden. That'd be, I mean, Harson is, you got to give it to the guy. He's betting on himself. Uh, I mean, he is firing the people that are not producing and uh, trying to hire people that can come in and set the culture. He's doing a lot of the right things. The thing about it is you can do all the right things, and if you don't have just a little bit of luck, then it's not going to fall into place. And it goes with for the offensive coordinator search. It goes for setting the culture and having people walk away that are making demands. It goes to recruiting. You need just a little bit to go in your favor to get a win. And he needs a win right now because I feel like he's been doing all of these really tough decisions and hasn't seen anything come to fruition yet. Um, and I'm hoping that Wednesday is that win. But, uh, Noble, what do, you, uh, what do you think about the offensive coordinator search? You know, I, I really like Austin Davis. I think that is a name that I think that it emphasizes the quarterback. And I think that no matter who – I think that no matter who Harson hires, like we said, he is looking to call plays. He's looking to be more involved with the offense. And I think that if you're going to do that, I think that there are two options where you can go. You can go with someone that is either a really good X's and O's guy – and doesn't really handle recruiting, which would probably be a guy like Austin Davis. I mean, Austin Davis would be eased into recruiting, but, I mean, he's not going to just come in and just start recruiting and just start landing a bunch of five-stars because he's never recruited. Like, he's been in the NFL where you don't have to recruit. So you can either go with that and Austin Davis or, you know, more of an X's and O's guy from that doesn't have to recruit. 
which is a Joe Brady kind of guy. Like if Joe Brady gets hired as an OC, he's probably not going to be handling as much recruiting as the head coach on the offense because he doesn't really recruit. But you can either go that way or you can go the opposite, someone who doesn't really do much X's and O's, but they bring in a lot of guys. A guy like Del McGee or Damian Craig would be our two guys that we interviewed where it's like, okay, if we bring these guys in, it is just to bring guys in and bring talent in and have Harson draw up the plays and run the offense. So I'm glad because Zach Hill was kind of in the middle, but the issue was he wasn't really on a good side of the middle. It was essentially he was an average recruiter with West Coast ties. So he's going to come to the SEC with average recruiting without any real ties in the South. His recruiting probably wouldn't have worked out super well. Could be wrong. Maybe he would have, you know, done great. But also his offenses weren't that good. So it's kind of like, okay, which side are you on? And if the head coach is still going to be calling plays, it's like, what are you really doing at Auburn? So that's why I was really glad that the Zach Hill hire fell through. I was really not happy if Zach Hill would have been hired. But Austin Davis, I think, is a name. I think that he will be able to develop a quarterback. If nothing else, he will be able to he, – he has seen an elite quarterback, and he has coached an elite quarterback. Now, Russell Wilson was already elite when Austin Davis started coaching there. But he has seen what an NFL quarterback does. He has seen the preparation that goes into that. He has seen one of the best in the NFL, how he goes at it season after season. So I think that is some invaluable insight that a guy like Holden could really use coming up. And, you know, we've said this on the podcast multiple times. I'm super high on Holden. I've been high on Holden ever since he committed. Uh, The first time I watched his highlights, I I was on board. I was excited. He absolutely tore it up in the playoffs, won the state championship, threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. The guy was an absolute stud in high school. Now, obviously, Bo Nix was an absolute baller in high school. I mean, he was statistically one of the greatest high school quarterbacks ever. Gets to college, you know, we all know how that went out. So I think that Holden is a guy – it's a risk to start the true freshman, but Harson has shown us that he is not scared to take risks. I mean – He'll go for it on fourth down when he feels momentum. He'll do, like, he'll make risky decisions. And like you said, he bets on himself, and that's what he's going to do. And Auburn, the Auburn program is in a very interesting spot right now because it could go down or it could go up. But the thing is, whether it goes down or up, it is going to affect the program for years after this. Now, I have seen – I saw – and I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna reveal who told me this, but someone involved in the program said, he said, and I quote, Harson's the guys that are leaving are guys that needed to leave. Harson's bringing in guys that he needs to bring in. So I think Harson is. It's almost like the guys that are leaving are guys that weren't totally bought in, and the people that are going to be there are going to be guys that are bought in, and they're going to be guys that are locked in to Auburn and they're locked in to the scheme and all that so I think that it's just a it's going to be an interesting development this season and I think we'll do I think record wise we'll have a better year next year than we did this year whether we start a transfer or we start holding I, I think that we will be better than six and six but I do think that it just the whole the whole situation is just very Tenuous, and we'll know a lot more next week. We'll know just kind of how, you know, in all likelihood, the OC will be hired by next week, or we'll kind of know that it's happening, you know, like, you know, officially. But we'll know what, who the OC is. We'll know who's in the recruiting class. We'll kind of have just more information. We'll kind of know what the roster is going to look like. So I think that it's a very big week and a very eventful week in Auburn. But Brian Harson is at the point where it is make or break. And he is trying to wrap up a good recruiting class for his first year. He's trying to wrap up, you know, bring Tank back. He's doing a lot of things. And we're going to see how he's doing them and how it does it. And if it does right or it does wrong, we're going to find out. But I'm personally – and, you know, I've, I've criticized Harson because of the results on the field. If Brian Harson can bring in the recruiting class that he will in all likelihood bring in, I mean, I th- I'm thinking, you know, we'll talk about this a little later, but the recruiting should end up being a lot better. If he can get the good recruiting class and he can hire his OC, we'll be going into next year and it'll be really Harson's first year. Not, I don't want to say first year, but I think that it'll be more of the beginning of the Brian Harson era. 
because it's like he's got a recruiting class of his guys. The transfer portal guys will be his guys. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of transfer portal guys be contributors. But it's also the, the quarterback will be his guy, you know. Like whether it's Holden or a transfer, it'll be a guy that Harson brought in. And if you're – I feel like that's kind of the start because Bo was a Gus guy. And Bo was a guy that was – Gus Malzahn, if he ends up going to UCF, it'll strengthen that. But it's just kind of like – Harson, all of Harson's guy, it won't be until, you know, two or three years where it's like the whole team is Harson's guys. But once you start getting to next year, it's going to be like, okay, the main guy, your quarterback, the general of your team is your guy. And so I think that it, and his staff will be his guy. So I think it'll be next year or this coming year will be kind of the beginning of the Brian Harson era. And we'll just see, we'll see where it takes us. But I don't think that Auburn football is in nearly as bad of a spot as people are making it out to be. And I know that it's just – he is building a program, and that's the thing. And this is – the thing is, this is, how you, this is how you build a program. Programs aren't built – you know, at most schools, programs are not built in one year. A coach is not going to come in and just win. That just doesn't happen. So at a program like Auburn, Brian Harson is going to have to tear it down before he builds it up. And I think that his version of tearing it down is going to be what we've seen. And you're going to see guys that transfer. And even if tank transfers, it's not going to be ideal and it might cost us a game. But at the end of the day, Brian Harson is bringing in guys that want to play for him and want to be playing for that hard-nosed style of Auburn football. And so we'll see how it ends up. We could, I mean, it, Brian Harson could end up being the biggest flop in Auburn history. But the thing is, I think that he shows that he is going to build the program that he wants. And I think that if you build the pro, if you build that kind of program, you can find great success in college football. So we'll see how all that works out with hiring the OC and with transfer portal. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think. I think the thing that people are concerned about is that is he able see I, I think people are mad about the six and six, but if you have a good recruiting class coming in, then even next year if it's not great, if you have a good recruiting class this year and then the class next year is looking like it's gonna be good, then people give you that. Okay, third year, now it's time for you to start winning. If you don't land a good recruiting class this year and the recruiting class next year is looking a little shaky, that's when things get real hairy for Brian Harson. So let's just go ahead and talk about the recruiting class. We've been teasing it all day. Um, let's start with the bad news. Okay. And I don't even know. I, I think it's a good sign that this is the, quote, bad news. So report came out today that Damari Austin – went to Michigan State and had a blast on his visit. Uh, for those that don't know, Damari is a longtime Auburn running back commit and probably the person that I felt the most confident about coming to Auburn in this class. He's been recruiting for Auburn for months. He's been coming on official visits to Auburn, recruiting for him, texting, tweeting, all like literally all of the things. Um, but as we know with recruiting, Nothing is a sure thing. I mean, heck, Reuben Foster got an Auburn tattoo on his arm and still went to Alabama on National Signing Day. So you can never be too sure that somebody's coming to your school. Um, the report also said that, that people still believe Auburn's going to be the winner here. Um, it would, I think, obviously a win here is him signing on Wednesday. I think worst-case scenario, I – Worst case scenario, I don't think he signs with Michigan State on Wednesday. Worst case scenario, he'll push back to February and basically be recruited by Auburn and Michigan State. I really don't see it, see that happening. I think he had a good time. It was a good visit. Harson will call him. All will be right in the world. Talk to Caddy. Um, so Damari, little bit of little bit of a shake up here at right at signing day but that's you know that's just kind of the fun of college football recruiting um also Caden Story uh longtime Auburn defensive line commit four star uh it it's not good he has decided to not sign on Wednesday and he will be signing in February and the reason that was given and this is why I say it's not good 
The reason that was given was life's been really busy for the Story family, and they uh, didn't have time to plan a recruiting signing thing, and they didn't want to just throw it together because it's such an important thing. You know what that's code for? That's code for Caden wants to go play at Alabama, but Alabama's waiting to see if Curtis Perry signs with Auburn. So while Caden's story is bad news, I say Caden's story moving to February is good news for Auburn with Curtis Perry because it sounds like Alabama is thinking that there's a legitimate shot uh, that Curtis will be going to Auburn this year, and that is why they might have an extra defensive line spot open. Um, obviously, you'd like to have both of them, uh, but it, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. That's just my two cents, um, but what do I know? Uh, the good news is today Auburn got a cornerback, four-star cornerback from the University Lab down in Baton Rouge, uh, Austin Aubrey, and uh, that's huge for Auburn to be able to take a DB from LSU, beat out his DB coach that moved to Florida. Um, so not only are you keeping, you know, in division LSU from uh, getting a four-star DB you're also adding to your own uh, your own team. So DB recruiting is looking really, really good. Seems like Derek Mason is probably the best recruiter we have on the staff as the defensive recruits are just kind of rolling in a lot while the offensive recruiting. It's a little up in the air right now. Uh, we're unsure about what Drew Bobo is going to do, but as I said on the last podcast, I really don't think it matters what Drew Bobo does. I don't think he's playing, whether he signs with Auburn or Georgia or whoever else he signs with. Um, I think he's just a name and a three-star offensive tackle that can disappoint Auburn fans with how pitiful he is. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be holding your breath about the Drew Bobo situation. Um, I do feel good about Curtis Perry. I do not feel good about Trevante Citizen, who's a four-star running back who also moved his commitment back to February. And I must say, I'm really surprised by how many people are moving their commitments to February. Um, I just did not see that being a thing. And I'm intrigued, Nobes. What, it, what do you think about people moving to February? Do you think it's a non-committal thing and they enjoy the recruiting process and the attention they get? Or do you think they really just don't know where they want to go? I, I've always... Usually, if you are a commit, if you are not first in that person's, say, if, if you look at, if you look at Antavius Woody, Florida State is the leader. He's going to commit in February. That's good for Auburn. You know, if Auburn's, if you are not the leader for a recruit, you want that commitment date to be pushed back as far as possible. If you are the leader, you want them to be, you want them to sign as soon as possible, get them in the class and don't have to worry about anything else. So if you're the leader of someone, you never want them to push it back. And obviously sometimes commits will – obviously sometimes commits will move it back to February, still come to Auburn, whatever. The thing is, though, so Caden Story's father said he is still locked into Auburn as of now, and he still plans on coming to Auburn. I think it was – Caden responded to – Someone said something, someone tweeted something, and he responded, and he was like, oh, y'all want me to decommit, question mark? And it's just, Caden is on Twitter a lot, and I'm hoping that he doesn't end up like a Javion Cohen situation, who has committed to Auburn for a long time, was very active on Twitter, and was just, and ended up flipping to Alabama. But he was very active on Twitter and was very, just didn't really act like an Auburn commit on Twitter. So I hope Caden doesn't kind of get toward that as we approach February. But the fact that you are, if you have a commit that doesn't sign the early signing period and they don't, and they don't say that they're, you know, committed to Auburn, it's not ideal. Now, obviously, Caden could still end up in the class, but I've seen Auburn lose a lot of recruits to the University of Alabama. And this just is not a great, it's just not a great scenario. And it's just not ideal. Now, obviously, Caden could still come to Auburn and, as of right now, it seems like Auburn is still the option. But the fact that you go from – the fact that you don't announce that you aren't signing on Wednesday until, you know, Monday, it's just not 
it's just not a great – it doesn't really fill the Auburn crowd with warm and fuzzy feelings. So that's my thought with Caden. And also, um, this is happening as we are recording this. J.G. Tate of Rivals.com has reported that Tank Bigsby is reportedly staying. So uh, J.G. Tate is a very uh, – he's not the most reliable guy, but he did report that Bo Nix – and Patrick Nix had a meeting with Brian Harson, and that Bo was going to transfer. And that ended up coming to fruition two days later. So I, we'll, he we'll also see reported that. that Bo was staying a that week he, earlier. He reported so, that Bo was no. staying a week earlier. But, you know, if JG Tate is right, we'll be fine. Tank is still here. You know, la di da, whoop de doo. But if you look at our recruiting, I personally think. I, if, if players move their commitment date or their uh, signing date to February, it's usually not a great sign for the team that's in the lead. And I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But if you look at, you know, we've got Auburn has a very busy week of recruiting coming up and Auburn is kind of wanting the wave to come in where a bunch of guys, you know, sign on signing day. We have a really good chance. You know, we've got a couple more guys committing in the next next couple days before Wednesday, but this class is going to end up pretty good. I, I would venture to say I think it'll end up top 15. But, Wheeler, what are your thoughts about the, uh, the recruiting class as a whole, and what are some names that you really want to get, um, really want to get and just bring into this class, and then I'll kind of, after you go, I'll, I'll, I'll add some names in into that list. Yeah, I, I want to add definitely one of the two running backs. So, Trevante Citizen is one, um, and the other, uh, what is the other guy, the Williams guy? Um, oh, what is his name? I can't remember his full name. Um, I'd like to get another uh, DB, um, and then definitely the Florida International transfer um, on the offensive line, that would be huge. And if we could get one of the uh, tackles that Virginia is transferring from Virginia or both, because it's now being reported by some people that uh, those two guys are good friends and that they might want to go and play together at the same place. And I can think of no better place for two offensive linemen to land to play major college football than for the Auburn Tigers. Um I will say, I mean, I really do. I think Auburn is a unique place where we really, we really do have a spot for two guys that are one is obviously an all ACC team. Um, and so he's going to be, you know, somebody that everybody wants. Um, and then the other guys just, you know, really solid. Um, other than that, I, I mean, I don't know who, who else I want. That would, I mean, Curtis Perry, obviously. Um, but really, I just, I want more than anything to see Auburn have a decent recruiting ranking so that all of the trolls on Twitter that are going to go and be the people that push for Brian Harson to get fired will be satisfied because it really doesn't matter who the people are on the last minute of signing day. You know, I think that we have a pretty solid class right now. If, if they just help, even if no one else committed, if you have the 20th rated recruiting class with all that's happened and the only person that you lose that's a major piece of your team is Bo Nix, then I th- think that that would be a win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect going into signing day. Everybody says that this massive wave is coming. Um, oh, Jeffrey Maba, he's another one. Um, but that's kind of a weird story that's coming out now that he's he's going to sign on Wednesday, but he's going to announce on the 19th. And I didn't understand. Maybe you have some insight into why he, he wanted to sign on Wednesday and then wait several days before he announced. Yeah, so for those that don't know, um, Jeffrey is French, and he, he, he is from France, and he you – know, he, his primary language is French. And so he is, he is in France now after he finished, because he's a, he's a Juco player, number one Juco player in the country. So he went back to France to be with his family over the holidays. So I think 
that he is signing on sign the early signing period, but he is not going to announce it because he's announcing it on live television in France. And so I, I won't, I probably won't be able to watch that because I don't really know where, where live television in France. I don't really know where you watch that here in America. Um, and also if the broadcast is in French, I don't think I'll be able to determine a lot of the, uh, a lot of the broadcast, but I think that it is, I think that the reason he is announcing on the 19th is more for a, he wants to announce it on TV at, at, at home. You know, I think that is more so instead of he doesn't want to tweet it on early signing day and that be his thing. I think he wants to get up on TV and be on national French television and announce his commitment. So I think that's kind of the story with Jeffrey, but I do think that he will come to Auburn. I feel fairly confident about that. Um, obviously landing Austin today was huge. Um, well, I also think uh, Jadarian Rhyme is a guy, uh, LSU commit four star. I also think that he will join Austin and come to Auburn. So that'll be two four star corners, which will be huge, huge, huge to get. Um, I always get excited when we get a corner. I mean, corners are just position where if you have if you have good corners, they really help you, and corners are just they really just help your defense. So I'm excited about that. Um, Robert Woodyard is a guy, he's an Alabama commit. He's been committed to Alabama for a while. I think we'll flip him on signing day. Um, that'll be really good. Just, you know, it, it's not something you hear a lot that Auburn flipped an Alabama guy. Usually it's the other way around. So hopefully that'll happen. Um, a lot of people have been asking me about Darius Clemens and I just, I'm just not, not super confident about Darius. Uh, it really feels like he does not want to play for Auburn. Exactly. Like it seems like he is looking for any situation, and Auburn is his absolute backup plan if no other Power Five team works out for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I just, I haven't had a good feeling about him for a very long time. I think we've just always, I feel like we've never really just been his go-to option. You know, like obviously, if Mario Cristobal was still at Oregon, he would you know, he would go to Oregon, no questions asked. Going on the official visit to Michigan this week really just didn't put me in a great set of mind. I And just as we get closer to signing day, I just really, really am having a hard time thinking that Darius will come to Auburn. And obviously that could change. But as of right now, as of Monday at about 4.30, I would be very surprised if Darius Clemens was in this class, which is really unfortunate because he is a really talented player. Um, but, you know. It is what it is. And then, obviously, Curtis Perry, big-time defensive lineman from Pike Road High School. This is a guy – I mean, it's an Auburn-Alabama battle, and, you know, that is always, always a difficult time. Usually, you know, it's pretty rare that Auburn beats out Alabama for a guy that Alabama really wants. So, I'll put it that way. But it's a new era. It's a new coach. And I think that if, you know, if Alabama really wants Curtis Perry, which they appear – they appear to really want him. I mean, from, from the indicators that I've seen, it seems that they do want him. And if Harson could beat out Saban for a guy in his first year, I think that's pretty telling. Because really, Gus Malzahn, I mean, Marlon Davidson was a big-time land, but really we did not land many people over that were down to Auburn and Alabama, Auburn and Alabama are really pushing for them that picked Auburn over Alabama. I mean, we just, that was just not something that really happened. Usually the guys that we landed over Alabama were people that we were pushing a lot harder than Alabama, but it appears that Auburn's pushing for Curtis and, you know, all indicators say that Alabama's pushing pretty hard. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I, I'd say it's a coin flip right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he came to Auburn. Wouldn't be surprised if he came to, if he went to Alabama, We'll just have to see about that. But the thing is, we, we're going to land a couple more Juco guys. It, you know, Keontae Scott, Marquise Gilbert are guys to look at. And I just think this is a very – I think that the Juco players in this class are really going to come in and be instant contributors. Like when they play for Auburn, I think that they are really going to be able to make a difference and be able – to turn heads and make an instant impact and just kind of buy some time and kind of slide in where we're losing guys uh, until the, the freshman can come up. But I think recruiting is going – I think we're going to be really happy uh, tonight when Gilbert commits. I think that tomorrow we're going to have a couple more guys commit, and I think on Wednesday 
you know, the wave is kind of going to be complete and we're going to have a lot of guys commit. And I think we finished this class top 15. But I think that recruiting so far is in a good spot. And obviously if the uh, if the JG Tate report is true, then that is the staff's biggest win thus far is keeping Tank, uh, keeping Tank in Auburn. So obviously we'll know a little bit more. But I mean, honestly, by really – at the end of Wednesday slash December 19th, we will have a really good picture of how the class is going to turn up. So I'm interested to see how that ends out. Yeah, uh, it's being reported by several people, but still not being reported by anyone that I would consider incredibly reliable uh, that Tank is staying. Um, yeah, everyone, Everyone's kind of the people that they shoot a lot and they hit sometimes, but the issue is they're not exactly – they're not a Jason Caldwell. They're not a Mark Murphy. They're not a Justin Hokinson. It's kind of a guy where it's like it, it's enough to look and you're like, okay, like it, it means something. But usually it's not one of the people that if they say something definitively as fact, you take it definitively as fact. Yeah, no, it's, it's people that, like you said, shoot a lot and also people that read a message board and then tweet it as insider information. Um. So, yeah, uh, signing day is coming up, and uh, we're going to hopefully have a strong finish. Hopefully next time uh, we do a podcast, we have an offensive coordinator. Um, and I think that's about all for football. Um, the basketball team uh, had a massive jump into the AP ranking number 14. Um, and so they, uh, that's one of the higher rankings they've had in a while. They are playing tomorrow night against the University of North Alabama, and they ought to beat the brakes off of them. Uh, I would not expect that to be a close game. It'll be the last game of Bruce uh, serving his suspension. Um, really, I'd say that was a big-time win for Auburn and the Auburn Compliance Department, the way that they were able to handle the entire basketball investigation and how we were able to get off with a relatively light penalty. Uh, basically we had Bruce missing two games and it was time served other than we will lose two scholarships for this upcoming class and they will not be able to refill those scholarships at any point over the next four years for that class. Um, recruiting for the 22 class for basketball is not super strong. So losing two scholarships, if you were going to lose them for any year, the 22 season is probably the best one in several seasons to lose a couple scholarships. So all in all, a slap on the wrist. Auburn absolutely obliterated the Nebraska Cornhuskers this week uh, on the during the uh, holiday hoopsgiving game. Uh, Jabari Smith went off again. I think he had 21 points in front of Kevin Durant. He was able to do a Harlem Globetrotters uh, dunk where Wendell Green tosses the ball off the backboard and Jabari slams it on some poor fool's face that saw he was about to be posterized. Um, Noble, what did you think about the win on Saturday? Were you impressed with the effort? Um, were you a little disappointed uh, with how it was, you know, I don't know. It was a good win, but I still feel like we didn't play very well. And I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I think that, Myself especially, and this this is something that we we might come back to just really we might come back to at the end just real quick. You know how you know Bo Nix was obviously very criticized very heavily, and that was mainly because of the expectations on when he came to Auburn. And I think that that's just kind of me right now is that it's I almost watch Auburn basketball with an overly critical mind because of the expectations that this team has. And if if I'm saying like oh, if we're going to win a national championship, we have to clean this, this, and this up. So I think that it's just kind of a – it's kind of a thing. You see that the team is getting better in some aspects. But, I mean – and, you know, we, we were talking on the way because, you know, you know, for those we – were, we were at State Farm Arena watching the game. But it was – on the way there, we were talking about how it would not surprise us if we were a little sloppy – a lot of the players had the flu. You know, Chris Moore was a guy that did not travel with the team because of his illness. Um, and I believe uh, I believe Chandler Leopard and Ty Cressman were also not dressed out. So, obviously, some guys missed practice because of illness. You had a week off. 
which was more uh, more time off than they've had in a long a long time. Um, you had finals all week, and your coach gets suspended, and you don't have your head coach, and it's just a very strange situation across the board. And I feel like, you know, on one hand, I was like, you saw that it's like some uncharacteristic turnovers or whatever, but it's like at the end of the day, they still won by thirty points. And it's just that I think that, you know, Nebraska is not necessarily a good team. I would go as to say they are a bad team. They will not make the tournament. But I was just kind of thinking, I was like, look, we, we are, we're criticizing some things and not necessarily criticizing because it's just, you're pointing stuff out, but you're just like, at the end of the day, they beat a power five team by 30 points. And the game was not close at any point. Jabari looked incredible. Wendell looked really good. And you just look at you're like, dang, like, am I like, am I being too overly critical? Or is it like, is this team just really, really good? And I'm just, you know, looking at looking for things to criticize. That that might be true. I'm definitely looking for I'm definitely looking forward to when we play a good conference team and when it's more of doing it against teams that you know are good. You know, like UCF, yeah, they're good. Like they could win their conference, get into the tournament, yes. Yale, really, they're not that good, but they could piece it together when their conference go to the tournament. St. Louis coming up, they're a really talented team, but I just don't think that it's, you know, beating St. Louis and beating Yale and beating UCF, that those wins mean a little something, but at the end of the day, it's like when you're playing in Alabama or Tennessee or Kentucky or you're like, okay, this is a really talented team with a great coach, and you know that this team will be making it in March, you know? Like, you play Alabama. When you play Alabama, you're like, okay, yeah, their game, when they played Gonzaga, it was Gonzaga's worst game of the season by far, and Mark Few was livid at his team's effort that game. But you, you look at Alabama, they have quality wins, and you're like, okay, if you can beat Alabama, it's like, okay, that's a team that you would see that you could see in the tournament, you know? You play Kentucky, you're like, that's a team you'll see in the tournament. Whereas, and th- those are teams that's like, you, you'll see them like in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. It's like St. Louis, if you see them in the tournament, it'll probably be in the first or second round. And yeah, they're a tournament team, but it's like, but they're not necessarily a deep run kind of tournament team. No one's projecting St. Louis to make the Elite Eight or the Final Four. So I think that this is just a team where it's like, we've seen what they can do against inferior competition. And we've seen... You know, that loss against UConn, well, I mean, UConn's a really good team. That loss against UConn really sparked kind of a fire in a lot of people, especially Jabari. I I remember Jabari tweeted, and he was like, because, you know, he missed that shot um, that I think it would have cut it to cut it to two or one, one, yeah. So it would have cut it to one uh, and would have given Auburn more of a chance. Had a really good look, and he missed it. And he tweeted after the game, after he had played phenomenal. The game. I mean, he had played a really solid game. He tweeted out, and he was like, "My bad, Auburn. That was on me. I'll I'll be better." And it was kind of like, "Oh, like you, you see it, and you're like, you know, we saw you, you saw guys like Danjel Purifoy all the time tweet out after they went, you know, had a horrible game. They would be like, "Oh, that's on me. I'm going off next game and go off for four points the next game." Jabari, since that moment, I think he's averaging seventeen five and four. And like one and a half steals, one block. You're like, okay, those stats are really good. He's shooting like 53% from the field, 45% from three. Like Jabari has really, really turned it on. And the thing was, before that game, he was playing really well. Like you were like, oh, this guy's really good. And he has turned it on ever, even more ever since then. So I think Jabari is just, every time I watch him, I'm just like, this guy is so good. And he's really a generational type player. But I think that if, the players around him can continue their play, then I think that we will have we'll enjoy a nice run in March. Because Jabari's gonna do what Jabari's gonna do. He's gonna have his way with anybody he plays. Zep, if Zep can continue having a six to one assist to turnover ratio, we'll be okay. If he can continue playing good defense, if KD can continue to, you know, be a pest to opposing guards like we'll be okay. And I think that that'll be something. And especially when Allen comes back, we can kind of see when we play better guards, we can see how our guards will play defense. When we play better forwards, we'll see how Jabari and Jalen and uh, Allen will be able to attack those guys. So I think it'll be interesting, but I really don't think you can learn a ton more about this team until conference play starts. 
Yeah, I agree with you that I think we have pretty harsh expectations of the team because it was. It was a 30-point win. The game was never in doubt, and they didn't have their head coach. And I think it does go back to the expectations for this team are super high, and people are getting antsy. They want to see want to see this team playing against really good competition and seeing if they're actually for real before they get too excited. And until then, they're just going to be, you know, like we were, a little hypercritical of how things go because you don't want to get your hopes up that this is going to be an Elite Eight team, and then they lose in the first round. Um, but no, I mean, the way, the even when they're playing sloppy, they get the job done, they get a win. You never know who the win is going to come from. I mean, Jabari is definitely the star of the team, but he's not always the reason that Auburn won the game. And I think that that's super important because you don't see that out of a lot of guys that are potential, you know, number one overall picks. So North Alabama will not be that game. Uh, St. Louis on Saturday, I think, will be the first um, game where you're kind of learning a little bit. And then from then on, you have Murray State, who beat Memphis this week. Um, And then pretty quickly after that, you start playing LSU, who's undefeated in uh, non-conference play. So things are about to get cranked up for basketball. Really excited to see what the basketball season holds and really excited to see what happens on Wednesday. Um, I definitely think we will have another podcast this week um, to go back over what happened during the early signing period and uh, hopefully have an offensive coordinator and talk about the North Alabama game. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Auburn Today pod. Oh, we got breaking news coming out. Noble, what do you have for us? Uh, n- not necessarily breaking news, but it was just more people. Uh, I think uh, there was another name that I uh, I just had in front of me that was not uh, that I've now lost. That was reporting that Tank Bigsby has in fact uh, is in fact staying. So. I think it's Justin Hokinson and Mark Murphy are also now reporting that the Tank will return to practice tomorrow, which will be Tuesday, December 14th. Okay, so as of right now, it looks like Tank is going to come back. So it looks like the, the, the departures for Auburn will be – the main departures for Auburn to the transfer portal will be Bo Nix and Tayshawn Manning and Sean Shivers. So – Altogether, not a crazy, not a crazy, uh, not 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 a crazy amount of production that is irreplaceable. But Wheeler, I do think the fan base is incredibly split on the Bo Nix decision, and I would like to hear just your take on: Do you think just what do you think about the fact that Bo Nix is transferring? What do you think about Bo Nix as a player and a person? because of this decision to transfer and will you be rooting for him at his next transfer destination? Depending on where the transfer destination is, will determine how much I root for the guy. If the guy goes and plays for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, then I hope he has an absolute trash season. And I hope because he's a opponent of Auburn. If the guy goes to UCF or Cincinnati or Nebraska, like that's fine. I don't know that I'll necessarily root for the guy, but I'm also not going to be like, I hope he fails. Because if he's not playing Auburn, I'm not going to wish failure on the guy. Um, But I will say I was a lot – I thought that it was a lot worse of a loss before some things came out today. Before the story of him going with his dad to give demands to Harson came out, before his teammates kind of came out and said, like, yeah – by not you know not super sad to see you go um it just doesn't seem like it was a good situation multiple people have reported that this was honestly probably the best thing for both Bo and for the football team um so yeah i i think we're gonna miss his talent but i think that you know hopefully holden can come in and replace that talent or we can get talent like him out of the transfer portal um that comes with a little bit better attitude than what he was able to exhibit while he's at Auburn. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I understand. I, and I'll say this, I I understand his frustration, but I don't necessarily think that I I don't want to say, I don't want to say that he is 
um, I don't want to say that he's soft because obviously I, I think he's a really tough kid. I think that he's a good football player. And I wouldn't say that he's soft because, I mean, obviously he played a drive, threw a touchdown with a broken ankle against Mississippi State. Like, I don't think he's soft. I think he's emotional. And then that's physically, how I, physically, yes, physically, he is, I mean, really tough. Emotionally, I think he's a very emotional person. And I think Pat Nix is the same way. I mean, Pat Nix literally was, yeah, he kind of came unglued in the state championship game. And, but I think that if you look at Bo, and we've talked, I mean, we have talked countless times on this podcast about Bo screaming at his teammates and all this kind of thing, whether they were in the right or in the wrong. And we, we spoke about how he doesn't understand the perception of what is happening. But it's just like, it, you look at it and you're just like, you are transferring because that because there are people in the fan base that didn't like you. And it's just like, I understand that it would be exhausting. I understand that that would be horrible. But the thing is, you look at really most Auburn, I mean, every Auburn quarterback or most Auburn quarterbacks that I can think of drew incredible criticism. I mean, Jared Stidham in 2018, like, yeah, people put him on a pedestal now. In 2018 against Tennessee, the entire student section booed him every time he went onto the field and every time he threw an incompletion. Nick Marshall, even Nick Marshall, people consider him to be the third. A lot of people consider him to be the third best quarterback in Auburn football history. People did not necessarily treat him like this when he was at Auburn. Like people called out the fact that he didn't really throw the ball that much and the fact that he never really, I mean, but he never really played incredibly well and won us a game by himself. I love Nick Marshall. think he was a great quarterback for the scheme. But if you remember, if like in those times, people criticized him. Jason Campbell, great quarterback. We've had him on the podcast. He first-round pick, had an extremely long NFL career. He was criticized to no end his first three years because he wasn't that good at Auburn until his senior year where he was really good. Ben Leard. Ben Leard got ripped to shreds his whole time, like his whole time at Auburn. Stan White, he received a ton of criticism. Damian Craig received a ton of criticism. And the thing is, all of these guys have something in common. Like Auburn quarterbacks throughout history have all received incredible amounts of criticism from a fan base that expects them to be elite. And social media is just to the point now where – it's very easy to see it. But I also think Jarrett Stidham was a guy who was good at tuning it out because he understood what was going to happen. And he understood that there were people in the fan base that didn't like him, but he also understood that there were people in the fan base that did like him. And he understood that ultimately it doesn't matter what people think about you. So Jarrett Stidham didn't read all this stuff on Instagram. Jarrett Stidham lived his life and he would post things on Instagram, but he didn't read his comments. He didn't do all this. Bo Nix, there's no doubt in my mind that he reads everything. Like, I think after every game, he looks his name up on Twitter and just reads what people say about him. And after every game, if he played well, he has his comments on on his post. If he did poorly, he would limit his comments. Like, that indicates that he knew what the fans were saying about him every time. And I think that it, ultimately it just kind of ate up at him. And I'm just – it's just kind of shocking to me that he is leaving his dream school because of what the fans think about him when – he has been a part of a fan base for his whole life that criticized every QB, pretty much every QB that came before him. But when that QB leaves, the pedestal they are on is drastically different than the pedestal they were on when they played at Auburn. So I just think that it's just kind of a it's kind of a head scratcher that the man is literally transferring because people said mean things on the internet. And I just kind of think that that is slightly absurd and I think that as a player I think he's talented but I just think that it's kind of like I don't know I don't know how to word it but I just don't think that I think the guy is extremely emotional and I think he is one of the most emotional college football quarterbacks in football right now so I don't know I'll leave it at that but you know obviously Bo is in the portal the Knicks era is behind us and I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how it all works out, but I am not 
as down on Auburn football as I was. Even I mean, and I've said on this podcast. I mean, after that South Carolina game, I was I was down. But and I'm not I'm not up I'm not as up as high as Weather will get in the off season. I mean Weather's going to be high on the team. He'll predict us to win a national championship next season. I'm not going to get that high, but I will say I like where the program is heading, and I think we're heading in the right direction. And we'll see if we we'll see how high Brian Harson takes us. But I think that next year we will have an, a better record and just less frustration coming from the football team next season. Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> but with all that being said, we appreciate all you guys listening. Um, obviously, we'll be back probably Thursday or Friday after the signing period. We'll see kind of how all that works out. We'll have another podcast for you guys. Um, again, if you guys, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to DM the page, leave a review. Uh, we appreciate all feedback. Um, And thank you guys for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.